For many people, getting a gift like a car would be like all their dreams coming true in one moment. They believe that something material and physical like that could meet the hunger in their hearts. would just be everything that they would want. But even though the experience of that boy in that the advert is extreme, the reality is that whatever we think about, whatever thing that we focus on, we only have it for a very short time. All our material possessions, all our stuff that we have in life is temporary. Ultimately, we have to leave it all behind. And so although things like money or employment or housing or career or health are important, they're not what's ultimately important in our lives. And they will never satisfy the deepest part of us, our deepest and eternal needs. They will never bring us lasting joy. We all need something much more permanent, something better to fill our hearts. We need the bread of life. And this morning we're going to read from John chapter 6. This was the, the high point of Jesus' popularity. As we've seen, Jesus had just taken a boy's packed lunch of five loaves and two fish and with it he had fed a crowd of over 5,000 people. It was an amazing miracle. And as a result, people began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Some even were thinking about making him king by force. But Jesus knew that this was not God's plan for his mission. And so Jesus sent the disciples away, away from the crowd, right into the storm on the Lake of Galilee. And he went up on a mountain to pray. Then, as we saw a couple of weeks ago, Jesus went out to the disciples in the middle of the lake, walking on the water, to calm the storm and to bring them safely home. But the crowd wasn't about to give up on their plans for Jesus. So we're breaking into the story in John chapter 6 and verse 22. The next day the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realised that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples but they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realised that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me not because you saw the miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. 
So they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that, that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and you still, still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. This crowd was passionate about seeing Jesus. When they realised that, the, that Jesus and his disciples were no longer on that eastern shore of the Lake of Galilee, they got into bo- the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. Now in one way, this sounds so good, doesn't it? Wouldn't it be great if thousands of people in Enniscorthy were flocking to meet Jesus today? That would be amazing. We would rejoice in that. But there was a problem with all of this. These people were looking for Jesus. But they were looking for Jesus for all the wrong reasons. When they eventually found Jesus, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? They'd seen the disciples go off across the lake in a boat. But they knew Jesus hadn't been in that boat. So how did Jesus get across the lake to the other side so quickly? But did you notice that Jesus didn't actually tell them? Jesus didn't actually sit down and say, well, by the way, I just went for a walk on the water and I calmed the storm and I brought the boat immediately to that. That was an amazing miracle, wasn't it? He didn't say that at all. The walking on the water was a private sign for the disciples. Instead, Jesus challenged this crowd about why they were looking for him. Look at verse 26 again. I tell you the truth. You are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Jesus knew that this crowd was not was sorry was was not looking for him because of who he is. Rather, they were looking for him because of what he could give them. The crowd had seen that miraculous sign of of loaves and fishes. They'd been amazed and astounded that Jesus could feed thousands of people from so little. 
But instead of responding to that by wanting to meet Jesus, listen to him, trust in him, to know him, to follow him. All this crowd wanted was to, follow, was to find Jesus so they could get another free lunch. They put in so much effort to see Jesus. But for all the wrong reasons. They'd been completely distracted by their materialistic needs. That's why Jesus rebuked them so clearly in verse 27. He said, do not work for food that spoils but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. So it wasn't that the crowd was being too demanding. It was that they were willing to settle for so much less than what Jesus had come to give them. They weren't asking too much. They were looking for too little. And they were going to miss out on what Jesus wanted to give them. And lots of people make that same mistake today. Uh, Just last week, I was watching an interview uh, by a TV reporter of a a well-known American pastor. It was one of these interviews where she kind of ambushed him, you know, and stuck a microphone in his face. And then she challenged him about his lavish lifestyle the mansion that he lives in, the holiday homes that he escapes to, and the private jets that he tours around the world in. And incredibly, he just openly admitted that he was an extremely wealthy man, and he didn't sound ashamed or embarrassed about it at all. Because he unashamedly claimed that this was God's blessing on him. He claimed that he was so rich because he was a servant of God. And as a servant of Jesus, he's an inheritor of the blessing of Abraham, which he claimed was the blessing of fabulous wealth. I don't know about you, but I was shocked when I saw it. Not only shocked because of how that man spoke about all of that, but because he can live that way. Because there are thousands of people who believe him and who come to his events and listen to his TV programs and buy his books and buy his CDs and donate their money all because if they, they do this because they think if they, if they give enough then they also will become wealthy. They are buying into this idea that if they give their money to him then they will become wealthy like him. They're searching for Jesus in a way. But for all the wrong reasons. They're working for food that spoils. They're trusting in Jesus so that they will become materially wealthy. They're doing exactly what Jesus reprimanded these people in Capernaum for doing. Another time Jesus said this, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. 
The quality of our lives cannot be measured by our salary, by our bank account, by our house, by our car. There's something far more important than that. And the danger is that if we go after all of these other things, if we come to Jesus only for the food that spoils then we will miss out on the real, full, eternal life that Jesus came to give. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, you cannot serve both God and money. You can't. You can't serve both of them. You have to choose which one you're going to serve. And the Apostle Paul, he wrote about this in his letter to Timothy. He condemned, in, in, in this letter, he condemned those who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. Who think that if you live the right way and live for God, then God is going to make sure you have the money that you want. And then he went on to say, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap And many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't come to Jesus for money. And this, of course, can be true about more than just money. It could be other material things that we come to Jesus for. Maybe a new job. A wife or a husband. A healthy body. Miraculous healing. A big family. Peaceful life. Or any of the other temporary things of this world. If we come searching for and trusting in Jesus because we think that this will guarantee any of these material things, then we're coming to Jesus for the wrong reasons. We've been distracted by lesser things. We've been deceived by the lies of the devil. We are working for food that spoils the temporary things of this world, that one day, sooner or later, will count for absolutely nothing. And we'll have missed out on what's really, what really matters in life. So what is this food that endures to eternal life? We've seen what is the food that spoils us. So what is the food that endures to eternal life that the Son of Man can give? Well, when we were looking at this passage earlier, a couple of weeks ago, we we noticed that this was the time of the Passover. When the Jewish nation celebrated the exodus from Egypt, from slavery in Egypt. They were under the leadership of Moses. And maybe this is why the, the crowd said to Jesus, verse 30, What miraculous sign then will you give that we may see and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. 
in the forefront of their minds was all, were all of the miraculous signs that were done at the time of Moses. Remember all the ten plagues and, and the, the crossing of the Red Sea? And especially in their mind was how that when they were wandering around the desert for 40 years, they were provided manna. Bread, little wafers of bread that just appeared on the ground every morning. Well, six mornings out of seven. And they collected it and ate it. They were basically challenging Jesus to prove who he was. It was as if they'd completely just overlooked, just completely blanked the feeding of the 5,000 that they just witnessed. He said, come on, Jesus, prove to us who you are. I think they're just, again, hoping to benefit materially from what Jesus could give them. They want another miracle. But Jesus corrected their whole thinking. He said in verse 32, It's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. They were right in saying that this manna was from heaven, but they were wrong in thinking it was Moses who had given it. It had come from God. It was a gift from God. But Jesus wanted them to focus on a different kind of bread that had come from heaven that was a gift from God. And this bread Jesus talked about in verse 33. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. This is the bread that he wanted them to focus on. A person. Not little wafers of bread on the ground, but a person. A person who'd come down from heaven to give them real life. And when the people asked for that bread, this is what Jesus said. Verse 35, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. It's the first of seven I am sayings in the book of John. It declares that Jesus is the only one who can meet our deepest needs. And this time, bread was the, the, the primary source of nourishment. It was the basic requirement for life. And so if Jesus is the bread, then he is the basic requirement for our lives. In his first letter, John wrote this. He who has the Son has life. And he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. If you have Jesus, you have life. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have life. Because Jesus is the basic requirement for life. He is the one who came down from heaven to give us life. Not a materially wealthy life. Just for a short time here on earth. But the fullness of eternal life. He came to give us salvation, forgiveness of our sins, adoption into his, his family, freedom from punishment. A full and abundant life in relationship with God. And that's why Jesus went on to say in verse 35, He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Again, this is not the promise of the satisfaction of all our earthly desires. Jesus is not promising that. 
That's what the crowd wanted in wanting more bread. But rather this is the promise that Jesus is the only one who can satisfy the deepest part of us. He is what our hearts ultimately long for. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 17. He says, this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God. And Jesus Christ whom you've sent. So we don't need to start with Jesus. And then go on to something else. Because we get fed up with, with, with just having Jesus. We, we, we long for something more in order to get right with God. We don't want to start with, with trusting in Jesus and then have to progress and, and go on to deeper and harder things in order to get closer to God. If we have Jesus, we have everything that we need. And this is forever. This salvation and this satisfaction will never decline. It will never fade away. Because Jesus secures our future. Verse 37 says, All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Here again in John is that combination of the two truths that seem contradictory, but but both are true. The sovereignty of God's call, all that the Father gives me, And the freedom of people to respond to that call will come to me. But however we work that out in our head, or however we try to to just hold on to both of those truths, there's a simple truth here. Is that Jesus will accept everyone who comes to him. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Jesus will receive us. He will welcome us into his kingdom. He will never reject us. He will never abandon us. If we come to Jesus, he will never drive us away. And so we will be secure for all eternity. Look at verse 39 and 40. This is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. This is our eternal security. And it's based on, it's founded on, not the strength of our commitment, not how well we're doing as a Christian, not even our decisions. It's based on the will of God. If we come to Jesus for salvation, we can be sure that we have eternal life right now. And we have an eternal life that will last forever. Even the grave cannot overcome it. Because Jesus gives us resurrection life. He will raise us up at the last day. But of course this is only available to us because of his sacrifice. 
Later in this chapter, we'll look at next week, in verse 51, Jesus will say, this bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of this world. We can have this life because Jesus took our death penalty and he died for us. We can live because he died. We can be raised because he was raised from the dead. So this is the right focus that we need in our lives. This is the right food that we need. But we'll only receive it if we have the right faith. The crowd there that day had incredible faith in themselves. When Jesus talked about working for food that endures to eternal life, this is what they said. What must we do to do the works God requires? Do you see their focus? This is their religious, their default religious position. They thought that getting right with God was something that they could do. Was something that they could achieve. It was about putting in the right effort. It was about following the rules. It was about following the regulations. It was about going through the proper rituals. If you tried hard enough, then you could get there in the end. And unfortunately, of course, many people think that today, don't they? They are desperately trying to be good enough for God. But the Bible is clear that none of us can be good enough for God. None of us can do the work that God requires in that sense. Or as Paul says in Romans chapter 3, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. But he goes on to say, by the law doesn't help us to become right with God, rather it just helps us to show us how far from God's standard we've fallen. So we cannot get there through our own efforts. We cannot do the work that earns our eternal life. And so Jesus replied, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. This is the right kind of faith that we need. Not faith in ourselves, or our church, or our religion, or whatever, or our ability to be good enough for God. But rather faith in Jesus. In his sacrificial death. And his glorious resurrection. And if we come to to Jesus in that simple faith. Turning away from our own way. And putting our trust in him then we can know that we have that life. That life in all of its fullness, both now and forever. Have that salvation, that satisfaction, and that eternal security, all because of our faith in Jesus. So folks, I pray that none of us would get distracted by the materialistic mindset that is just all over the place in our world and even sadly in some of the churches around. That we won't get excited about the short-lived stuff of this world. 
but instead that we would have the right focus. The right focus on Jesus. Knowing that he is the right food that we need in order to live life in all its fullness. And that having put our right faith in him, we will be able to rejoice that Jesus is all that we need. That he is the bread of life.